Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, Friday, 1 o'clock in New York, November 18. It is uh, amazing to see how time is flying by. What is up, as my man Anthony Donahue likes to say on his shows. Shout out to AD on his big birthday this week. We'll be talking a ton of Knicks today with our guest, Frank Isola from the Daily News. So hopefully Frank will call in in a couple of minutes and we will chat with uh, Frankie Basketball. Uh, Six days before Thanksgiving, the great holiday next week, the best holiday out there, giving thanks for all the different things that uh, that really we all have and such a you know, great holiday with all the other things going on. So hope everybody has a fantastic holiday and uh, and a lot of fun and enjoy the turkey and, and whatnot. So looking forward to the holiday next week. Of course, uh, it is a beautiful day out today. The fall weather has been really, really pleasant in the mid to high 60s today and tomorrow. So it's nice to have a little bit of nice weather, be able to run outside and play some sports, throw the football around and hopefully the Turkey Day will give us that same kind of forecast. Thanks to our sponsors for being a part of the show. Thanks to Hyper. Hyper is the largest uh, search engine database for influencers and celebrities in the world. You could find out more information on hyperbrands.com, H-Y-P-R brands.com. Thanks to the Crowdsline for being a sponsor of the show as well. Head over to the Crowdsline.com. Make your predictions today. Win all kinds of prizes, iTunes gift cards. See if your predictions are right. And of course, thanks to our latest sponsor, Pita Express, 105 Ann Street, downtown Manhattan, the best hummus and Mediterranean food in New York City. Head on down. Let them know you listen to the podcast and the guy, Billy Cotler, down there will hook you up with a great appetite or anything you're looking for, 
really, really good food. So head on down to the Pita Express and enjoy Mr. Kotler's hummus. And we're uh, delighted to have on board our friend of our show, second time on, and Frankie Basketball, Frank Isola from uh, the Daily News, Nick's beat writer. Frank, how are you, sir? Good. With all these sponsors, I'm going to have to start getting paid for doing this pretty soon. Oh, yeah, no, I'm starting to hear that from all my guests, which is amazing. I'm if the sponsors kidding, were I'm actually kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> If the sponsors were writing checks, it would be great. It would be great. Uh, but we'll get you some hummus from uh, Peter Express, no doubt, no doubt. I'm, I'm, how, down, how, for uh, I'm down for that. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Enjoying the uh, the season and thought it would be good to have you on and talk sort of a state of the union or what's going on in, in Nick's land, 12 games into the, into the season, five and seven, uh, obviously a very kind of different week this week with the last two games. Give us a sense of your, uh, uh, of what you're seeing and hearing around, uh, the world of the Knickerbockers. Well, I think, you know, on on the one hand, I think what's happening is what we expected, you know, that Brzingis, Christoph Brzingis would take on a much bigger role. And you can tell that he's gotten better uh, since last season. You know, he's much more involved in the offense. You can tell that he's much more confident now in his second year. And then I think what probably has been the biggest disappointment has probably been the play of Joe Kim Noah. You know, they signed him to a huge deal, four years, $72 million, and he's not moving that well, does not make the same kind of impact. And I think if you go back to September, when Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago Bulls, when he was asked at the during the Hall of Fame weekend up in Springfield, team decided not to pursue Joe Kim Noah, and he said, "We just don't feel like he's a frontline player anymore." Now, you know, the guy Noah laid his heart out on the line every night to the Bulls. I mean, it's kind of a harsh thing for your former employer to say that, but it's also somewhat accurate. He he just doesn't seem to be the same player that he was three, four, five years ago. You know, when he was finishing in the top five for MVP and he was a defensive player in the year and made much more of an impact on both ends of the court. No question. And I, I thought your article the other day was absolutely fantastic. I threw it out on Twitter. I thought, and I've sort of been in that same camp, that this needs to feel like this is Porzingis' team. And a big reason why is, what he's able to do at the five and the mismatches that he's able to create. And while Melo will obviously continue to hold on to the title of his team and probably hold on to the ball a little bit too much as well, I think the idea of being able to move Porzingis to that, to that spot is, is really crucial and gets him to you know, be his team. And then that sort of brings into play what you're talking about, which is the Noah situation. So what do you foresee happening four years, $72 million? That's a big deal and a long-term deal. Yeah, and if you look at it, we all know, I mean, everyone puts a big emphasis on who starts a game, but it's really about who finishes the game. And if you look at their better lineups the last few games, including last night, which has to be taken with a grain of salt, the Thursday night game that they played against Washington, scoring 47 points, in the fourth quarter of a game where you were losing by 27, that's a bit of a token run. But the bottom line is, against Dallas and uh, the win that they had uh, two nights later at the Garden against Detroit, the better line that they had was when they played Porzingis at five, Carmelo Anthony at power forward, and with Noah on the bench. So it's, it's going to be easy for Jeff Hornacek, where I shouldn't say it's going to be easy. He could just say, I'm going to stick with this where – I'll start Noah, but I'm going to limit his minutes, and I'm not going to play him 
for crucial stretches of the game, or does he just say, you know what, I'm not going to start the guy. I'm going to make him my backup and kind of set the tone for how many minutes and what he can expect to play. But that's a big call because, remember, Bill Jackson, that's Bill Jackson's biggest free agent signing from the outside. Obviously, he signed Carmelo Anthony to a huge contract, but Carmelo was re-signing with the team. It's a big, no question, it's a big sort of situation and, and all kinds of politics around it. I want to talk for a minute on Porzingis. You know, he's clearly on his way to being an absolute global star, global icon. Um, he, he had a couple games, the first couple games, where I did not like what I saw. Saw a lot of the ball being pounded by Rose and Mello and Porzingis kind of being option number three. I hope this year is very, very much about Porzingis. That, at the end of the day, that's what the goal should be this year. You know, do, do you think that he's going to take over, based on your article, as the main option, or or will that continue to be something that comes? But other games, you know, he took four shots against Houston. I mean, we, he can't. He has to be as big of a focal point as anything else. And the last couple of games, it seems like that's the direction that it's going to go. Yeah, he can't have a repeat of what he did against Houston. He's too good of a player and too important of a player to only take four shots. I, I do think these things will happen naturally, and I think Carmelo is a big part of it. Because Carmelo is obviously still a very talented scorer. He's the most accomplished player on the team, I guess, with Rose also, because Rose was an MVP. But Carmelo is the oldest player, and he has, you know, th- there is a certain status that he has. But Carmelo, you know, has been very selfless thus far with everything that's happened with Christopher Porzingis And knowing that Porzingis is kind of the guy that the fans are in love with and the media fawns all over and the marketing department of the Garden is obviously going to have a field day with Porzingis. So Carmelo's attitude has been very good. But, you know, it, 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 you need to see more out of Porzingis. And I would suggest that maybe when you get to a point in the season, and I'm certainly not ready to give up on the season, but if you do reach a point late January, February, where it looks like the best you can do is eighth place, do you try to maybe trade some guys off and maybe try to convince Carmelo to waive his no-trade clause and maybe you trade a guy like Courtney Lee and maybe you can trade Derrick Roses in the final year of his contract anyway and try to get something for him and really say we're turning this now over to Brzingis. The, the, the interesting thing about it is, you know, if Brzingis is going to remain, I mean, Brzingis is going to be on the team. It's funny, though, like you could see him with Carmelo, you could see him with Cordy Lee, you could see him with Derrick Rose. The problem is the guy that's got the long-term contract and the guy that's hardest to move will be Noah. So down the road, you're still going to have to figure out how to play those two guys together. But I, but to your point, it needs the focal point needs to be more about Christopher Zingas than anybody else because he is the future of the franchise. No question. Again, we're talking to uh, Frank Isola. We know Frank from Twitter, a little over 115,000 Twitter followers, getting about 41 retweets and 85 comments. ton of engagement when Frank puts something out on Twitter. It's always good. It's always, it's always fun. Frank, you mentioned D. Rose. You know, I think he looks springy. He, when he gets to the basket, he's still got that bounce. His jump shot while he shot it, it's just so flat. You know, I can't figure out how much he has left. Uh, you know, guys sort of go around him. He's not a great defensive player. I, I, I am mixed about what he is. I, ha- I haven't seen enough yet. You know, what have you seen from Rose? I think there's some exciting stuff there, but I just can't tell how much is left in that tank. Now, what are you seeing and hearing about from Rose? Yeah, you know, it's a tough spot for him because, you know, he's been talking about free agency now for two years, and he's looking – 
to hit it big in the free agent market. And then you look at the money that was handed out last summer, he's got to be thinking, if I could have a very good year, maybe I can get one of these contracts. He's not going to get a Mike Conley kind of contract, but look at what Chandler Parsons got. And that's a guy that's had knee issues, and he got over 90-something million dollars. You know, the jump shot, he's not a good shooter, but he is fearless going to the basket, which is on on a lot of levels good to see because, you know, that, that shows that he's got some confidence in his body and he's willing to take the pounding. But let's face it, too, you know, if, if you're going to be a guy that's constantly attacking the basket, you're going to hit the floor a lot. Early on in the season, he seemed like he was on the ground all the time. So it'll be interesting to see how he holds up. He did play in 60-plus games last season, but it's still early. We're only 12 games in, and I think that'll be the big issue with this team, including Derrick Rose. You know, how will these guys be 30 games into it, 40 games into it, and the season really starts to take a toll on him? Yeah, no question. There's so much. It's a long season, and those knees are, you know, obviously banged up. And, you know, the other side of everything that's going on is, you know, the the bench and some of the guys they have there. And everyone, you know, wants to be a coach. I'm part of a big Knicks group, and one of the guys, Apom, there wants to go with Rose and Jennings in the starting backcourt and move Lee to the bench. Everyone's, you know, Coach Lee has been someone who I actually think has been very consistent so far, Uh, doesn't need the ball to to do what he does, Uh, you know, does his thing out there. Now, have you seen some good stuff from Courtney Lee so far? Yeah, you know, he's had some moments. You know, he's you know, he's going to be a guy that you can't rely on all the time to make shots. But what he gives you, he's a ball mover. He's a veteran player. He kind of understands his role. He can defend for you. And I think that's the issue with playing Brandon Jennings and Derrick Rose together is that you're not going to be a great defensive team, and you're going to be a small backcourt. And that's stuff you have to, you know, you got to worry about. So I, I'd be very careful starting the two of them together. Now, have they played together a bunch? Absolutely. And there have been times where that lineup has been pretty good. But you've got to be very, very careful thinking that you can start those two guys. Because now, let's say you start the two of them. Who's going to be the guy that you're bringing off the bench for scoring? You don't really have that guy. And Brandon Jennings is kind of instant offense. That's why I would stay uh, with Jennings as a backup for now. Makes makes total sense. Makes you know the team is put together a little bit funky. You, know, you have sort of a lot of guys that are you know youngish in the sense of a guy like Porzingis, but you have also you know veterans and guys that have been around the block for a while, banged up and whatnot. It's a, it's a funky mix. And then you throw what you call the sort of the Euro Knicks in with with uh, Kuzumingas and 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 Billy Hernan Gomez, you know, two guys that clearly play nicely together. Um, you know, with Porzingis, it's an interesting mix. They sort of are the opposite of Rose and Mello. The ball's always moving, and, you know, they're playing that European style. Have they been an interesting sort of influence in the team and the organization? Yeah, you know, I think uh, Hernan Gomez, I think they're very high on, you know, they look at him as almost like a mini Marcus Gasol. He's very strong. Uh, he knows how to play the game. He's not afraid to mix it up. And, you know, if you look at a lot of those Spanish players, you know, they all know how to pass. They all play with a lot of confidence, and they're all very hard workers. So I think they probably got lucky with Hernan Gomez. And what helps him, too, is both Hernan Gomez and Przingis are represented by the same agent. They both know each other from the Spanish League. So for them, it was kind of easy for the two of them to kind of hit it off. And you could see that they have a pretty good partnership. I think the issue is, you know, if you're going to play Hernan Gomez a lot, that means Kyle O'Quinn isn't going to play that much. And I think there's probably a lot of fans 
that would advocate making that kind of move. But, you know, if you have Kyle O'Quinn, you know, he's got a, a contract and you don't know how he's going to be. You don't want him upsetting apple carts, so to speak. Not that he's done that so far, but veteran player, a guy like that who, you know, still thinks that he's got a lot left. And if you bury him on the bench, that can create some problems. I think if there's one guy they're looking to trade, I would think it would be Kyle O'Quinn. Makes total sense. Uh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. And Holiday has been, I think, probably the best performing player on the team. Been really good off the bench and, and incredibly, you know, incredibly consistent. So that that sort of takes care of everything that's kind of on the court, Frank. Let's talk before I let you go uh, off the court, and that's Hornacek, Phil, and 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 the triangle and this sort of constant uh, penetration that Phil makes into the team and, and sort of you know involved with the players, you know. This whole thing broke this week, obviously, with Maverick Carter and Posse and the whole thing around that. You know, Phil, we talked last time when you were on about his tenure here and, you know, what you think would happen with him long term. You know, what, what is the sort of situation with Phil, you know, here? He seems like he's so involved. He wants the triangle to be run even more. By my eyes, the offense actually looks okay. It's the defense, which has really struggled and ranks – low in the league in a lot of the categories. Obviously, now they have the Rex Ryan of, of NBA defense, Kurt Rambis uh, running the defensive strategy. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on where the things are with, with Phil today? Well, you know, I think the, a big issue with Phil is that he still thinks of himself as a coach. It's, a, it's where his area of expertise is. So he's in a much different role now, and he's behaving in a way that if he were coaching a team, he would never accept the team president having this much involvement. So then the, you know, the naive fan will say, well, what's the big deal? He has 11 championships. That's great that he's involved. It doesn't work like that. Because then what it does is it undermines Jeff Hornacek, and Jeff Hornacek needs to establish trust and credibility among the players. So if the players feel, and this was always going to be the challenge for Derek Fisher, and he tried to get away from that, and eventually Phil Jackson made sure he got away from it because he ended up firing him. You know, you have to, the players have to know that you're your own man and that you're running the show, and you're not just a puppet for Phil Jackson. So I think Phil's involvement, I don't think it helps. If anything, I think it hurts a lot of ways. I mean, look at the job that Pat Riley does. Pat Riley stays behind the scenes. And guess what? When Pat Riley had an issue and he didn't think things were working out, with Stan Van Gundy, even though they were they were going to be a playoff team that year, Pat Riley went on the bench. So Phil Jackson, if he's that obsessed with the coaching aspect of it, get on the bench and coach the team. He has, you know, he can do that as opposed to kind of coaching from the tenth row. That doesn't help anybody. It already affected his relationship with Derek Fisher in a negative way, and it really made the job difficult for Derek. I say it all the time. You know what, on, your, on an NBA team, every team might have that high-maintenance kind of diva kind of personality, but the Knicks are the only team that have that as their team president. Like, why can't – I mean, you almost wish that, like, you know, the star player on the team was this bit like a diva and a bit of a drama queen. The problem is it's the team president, and he's the one that's creating all this. And for him to do a Q&A and to talk about other teams' business, like, who are you? What have you done? He's, he was obviously trying to needle – Pat Riley, and he's talked himself into creating this controversy with LeBron James. And listen, I didn't think that that word was offensive when I hear LeBron explain it. Absolutely, I can understand it. I don't think that Phil Jackson 
meant any malice by it, but it's Phil Jackson thinking he's being cute, and I'm going to, like, poke fun at everybody. Well, it's one thing to do that when you're winning championships as a head coach, but when you're some, like, neophyte general manager who has been part of, like, one of the worst teams in Nick history and the architect of it, he should be focused on other things as opposed to everybody else's business, and why are you picking a fight with the best player in the league? It's one thing to do it in baseball. It's one thing to do it in the NFL. The NBA is a tighter-knit community. And when you get, like, LeBron kind of going after you, probably not the right road to go down. It's just, and then, and how about Carmelo? Did Carmelo exactly stand? Who did Carmelo stand up? LeBron or yeah, Phil? Yeah, right, right behind is, his boy. Yeah. What, did, what does that tell you? If, if he's saying that stuff publicly, what do you think he's saying behind the scenes? No question. No question. Do you think Phil's disconnected to sort of the game today? You know, the, 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 the triangle, the books on meditation. I mean, is, I can't, you know, I, I was sort of around a couple of the guys. I, you know, I had heard Phil's heavily involved in, in all kinds of things. And is he disconnected with the game today? Or, yeah, you know, 100%. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. 100%. I'll give you 100 bucks for every time Phil Jackson talks and he mentions the words Michael Jordan. Never mentions Michael Jordan. It's all this other nonsense. And you know, we used to think of Phil as a deep thinker, right? He's, he really, all he ever thinks about is the triangle. It's like that's his, that's like his biggest thing, and that, that's the culture that he's created in New York. It's all about the triangle. What other team do we talk about their stupid offense as much as we do with the Knicks? Triangle this, the triangle. The NBA has evolved. It's a different game. It's a three-point shooting game. The triangle results in not a lot of free throw attempts, and a ton of mid-range jumpers. Is that today's NBA? You know, it's it's, it's a point guard-dominated league where guys shoot three points. Look at James Harden, what he's doing in Houston. It's not, you know, throw it into the post. The point guard runs into the corner. It's, you know, it's, it can't be that all the time. And I think we've seen in the NBA it's changing and still doesn't want to change. It encourages the long two, and obviously that's a big part of, you know, Melo's game. But you look at the other teams and how they run offenses, you know, and I always say to the Knicks group that I'm involved in, you know, everybody ran, was so quick to run D'Antoni out of, out of town. And, and you look at, and every time there's a guy taking over, they have elements of the up pace, the up-tempo offense. And yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you look at a guy like they, everyone's trying to do what this guy frankly did and was here, and everybody ran him out of town. He obviously has his faults. But when you look at what is going on and what Phil wants to run, it just seems so not only disconnected, but it's hard for me to believe that the players are out there saying, geez, I, I really want to play for Phil Jackson tonight. No, I, I think you're right. And I do think players want to play for Mike D'Antoni from the standpoint of their, their stats are going to be completely inflated and they're going to like the system. I think Mike's problem is doesn't focus enough on the defensive end. And when things are kind of, going awry a little bit. He doesn't kind of have, like, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to, like, be in control of the locker room. He's a very passive guy, and he's a non-confrontational guy. And I think sometimes the players view that as a sign of weakness. And, like, look what happened in L.A., which, you know, every case is different. Because in L.A., you got Kobe Bryant, the aging superstar, still going to be a huge part of the team, and that was going to be tough. But I, I always think that's been kind of like Mike's problem. And in, in Phoenix, he kind of had this machine – that kind of ran itself, where Nash was in charge of everything. New York, he really didn't have that kind of team. The Lakers, he's in a, he doesn't have that kind of team. So that, to me, has always been his issue. No no qualms about the offense they play. No question. Frank, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to jump on the grill today. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll catch up with you after the All-Star break. 
All right. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. Be well. That's the great Frank Isola, uh, New York New York Daily News, Knicks beat writer, uh, around the horn, ESPN. Great talent, smart New York guy, and, you know, of course, incredible insights and angles onto what's going on with the Knicks and, and the Knickerbockers. And good 20 minutes from Frank today. We really appreciate uh, him taking his time out of a busy, busy schedule, obviously, you know, with, uh, with the Knicks, with games Wednesday night and, and Thursday, and a, a very, very busy week with the Knicks with all the news between uh, uh, Phil and posse stuff with with Maverick and everything. So thanks to Frank for coming and spending some time talking, you know, Knicks basketball. And I thought everything he said was right on the money, as always. Uh, I wanted to take a look at some of the Knicks on Hyper, Derek Rose, a little over 10.5 million followers on Facebook, 2.5 million followers on Twitter. D. Rose, pretty big socially, getting about 46,000 Likes for every one of his posts on Twitter. D. Rose with 82% of his following males. So D. Rose, a nice social footprint. When you look at Phil Jackson, a big topic of the discussion between Frank and I just now, Phil loves to use Twitter. A little under a million followers, 912,000. Phil getting about 250 retweets. So he puts out these kind of cryptic messages, and they are retweeted about 250 times. Uh, Interestingly, when you look at Phil's audience from an age group breakdown, about 30%, 26 to 32, 37%. 33 to 39, and 15%, 40 to 46. So Phil Jackson with an older audience. Joakim Noah, a big Twitter and Instagram user. Uh, Joakim with 490,000 Twitter, uh, Instagram followers, getting about 12,000 likes for every one of his posts, and another 725,000 Twitter followers. Joakim, though, biggest following over on Facebook, getting um, about a million and a half followers on Facebook. It's Joakim Noah, big user of social media. And, of course, we talked a lot about KP today, Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis with about a million followers total, so not as big of a, of a footprint as you would think. Again, young, international, uh, 650,000 followers on his Instagram, getting big engagement there, about 32,000 likes for every one of his posts, 65% of KP's social media audiences in the United States, the other 35% in international areas. KP with an older audience, obviously a lot of big Nick fans, 30 to 40, makes up about 75% of KP's social audience. And the last guy, of course, is Carmelo, and we've talked about his social data on this show a bunch. Melo, very big, 8.5 million followers on Twitter, another 5.5 on Facebook, and 4.5 on Instagram. But by far, where Instagram is his smallest, he's getting the biggest number of engagement by far, getting about 400 comments for every one of his posts. So Melo, while he's big on social, Big, big engagement on on his Instagram. So, fun day today talking about the Knicks, talking about some of their social data, 
Frank really gives us some fun insights about about the Knicks and about what's going on this year. So looking forward to a, a great week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. We will not have a show next week because of the holiday. Uh, we will be back on the following week. So looking forward to a fun show, working on some great guests to close out uh, the rest of the 2016. And we will kick off 2017 with a state of the New York Sports Union with our buddy Brandon Tierney. Enjoy your turkey next week. Thanks much to Hyper. Thanks much to the Crowdsline and PETA Express for all being a big part of today's show. Enjoy it, everybody. Have a great weekend, as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say. Adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast here comes your host the burger shop now live from coast to coast in any way you want to do it listen to the show ron got the insights the burger shop you know burger